My new book is now available. It's called Peace Over Pain: How to Eliminate Chronic Pain and/or Chronic Illness, so you can break free from the medical monopoly. If you want it instantly, you can get the ebook and audio book together as a package on peaceoverpain.com. And of course, the paperback is available on Amazon right now. Welcome to Inner Peace with Dr. Reese, a program that can help you become liberated in the modern world. Now, Here's your host, Dr. Kevin W. Reese. Can you heal from the past? Welcome to episode number 141. Today, I'm sitting down with Pauline Wynn. She's a best-selling author, award-winning businesswoman, and survivor of a refugee camp. So before we begin... Sit down and relax and take in this valuable and important recording. Let's begin. Pauline, welcome to the podcast. Kevin, hello. It is my joy to be here. Thank you for having me. So my understanding of your story is you were in a refugee camp when you were young, right? Yes. Okay. This sounds this sounds real dramatic and 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 painful. <laughs> it, it was. Um, um, my my father built a boat and um, smuggled our family out just after the Vietnam War. Hmm. Um, he Oof. was determined that um, if we died, we would all die to death together because anything would be better than him getting caught. Yeah. And also um, getting brainwashed, right? Um, it wasn't only that they took our freedom. They wanted to take our thoughts as well. How old were you at the time? I was three years old at the time. My brother, Lewis was two. Um, we spent nine days out at sea. We were the lucky ones. What do I mean by that? Because my father made the decision very early on um, before the multiple, multiple waves of Vietnamese wanting to escape the shores. And so we escaped uh, before the pirates caught wind of the bounty that would be at sea. And um, a lot of our fellow countrymen and women um, had a more horrific experience than we did, um, being marauded by the pirates again and again and again until there was nothing left to take. So there's a whole lot of trauma that comes from yeah. um, this, this, uh, this wave of um, um, people who escaped and ended up being refugees. So armed with only a, a rudimentary map and a compass to guide him, my father steered our vessel out into the South China Sea. Mm-hmm. And we spent nine days out at sea and ended up in Thailand where we um, spent a year in the refugee camp. And that is where my brother Luke was born. Um, he was born. Um, we, he was born in a lean-to tent. So um, after a year in 1978 is when Australia accepted us, and when we came to Australia, I was four when we arrived. Um, my brother Lewis was three when we arrived to Australia, and Luke was a newborn. So your mother was pregnant through the whole thing. My my mother was pregnant through the whole thing. Oh my gosh! This is like a uh, this is a, a movie. This is, this is, so, I have been asked to make it a movie multiple times. <laughs> but did the memory stick? Did it create a PTSD in you? You know what? Um, I have flashbacks because memory commences at around four or five, right? So I have mm. flashbacks and I um, have those flashbacks confirmed by my parents. Um, I had flashbacks of this 
blue fabric or almost like a, a denim color blue and so when I asked my parents what 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 was that color and they'd explained that in the refugee camp when my brother Luke was born my brother Lewis and I would go around to the people in the refugee camp and ask for their towels their bath towels and we all had uniform colored bath towels which were this denim blue color and we we asked for the bath towels so that we could cut them out and make them into nappies for mm. um, for, for Luke. <laughs> wow. Um, and other flashbacks are of um, smells and of food and for me, particularly colors, colors and smells. Yeah, because our subconscious mind has the ability to just hold on mm. to, to, to so much. And some people would even say past lives as well. It's, it's all there. So you could be, and maybe you've experienced this, you just tell me if you have, but somewhere later in life, whether you were 17 or 37 or whatever it is, something could be triggered and an emotion could come up and you might not even know what it is. Yeah, look, it's, um, I've done uh, uh, so much work, past life work, healing work, um, because I witnessed it from a very young age, having it um, happen to my father so much, he suffered terribly from PTSD oh, um, yeah. as a result of being in the war and then um, having a rather difficult time uh, in the refugee camp and then coming to Australia with nothing, right, nothing. Hmm. So when we came to Australia, my mother was sick with tuberculosis. He had two young children as well as a newborn so anger, rage, frustration um, became his best friends for many, many years. And mm -hmm. he had nowhere to dump his anger except on my mother and then soon on us kids as well. So growing up, the, um, it, it, I would, it would be safe to say that from my point of view and from my brother's point of view, the refugee camp and the uh, escape on a boat was nothing compared to the uh, violence that my father inflicted on us. And so then the question comes up, is it his fault or is he just a product of programming from a very, very traumatic incident? Yeah, well, his father was violent and his father's father was violent. So it was a strong belief at the time. This is how we raise our children. We raise our children with violence. But then coming to a new country, man, he was determined that the sacrifices he and my mother made would be honored. They would be honored, right? And so he didn't know any better. How, how can we keep our children um, on the straight and narrow? How can we prevent our children from um, going off the rails, from becoming drug addicts, from becoming criminals? So the, the only way they knew how was to keep us trapped and imprisoned. And that's how uh, life was growing up. Um, we weren't allowed to go anywhere. We got regular beatings and, um, you know, we had to get good grades as well because that was the paradigm, right? We will escape the country, take you, bring you into a new country and you will succeed <laughs> so that our sacrifices are honoured. And um, I, we, you know, there was so much pressure on us. We were very entrepreneurial at a young age. Why? Because my father forced us to work. I started working when I was seven. Mm -hmm. uh, my brother Lewis started working when he was six and my brother Luke started working when he was three. <laughs> um, my father opened um, a, uh, this is after several years um, landing, getting on his feet. And then we moved to the outer western suburbs of Cabramatta. Um, he chose Cabramatta for its strong sense of community. He understood that a lot of um, his um, fellow men and women made a life for themselves there because of their unconditional dedication um, to making it work. So he found a prime location in the heart of Cabramatta's bustling commercial district and he opened Cabramatta's very first video library because it was post-war. So all the famous uh, movies at the time were Born on the Fourth of July, Full Metal Jacket, Good Morning Vietnam. Mm -hmm. So the video library did really well. 
He also opened Cabramatta's very first ice cream parlor. Um, we were forced to make the ice cream, so I know it was damn good. It was fresh fruit ice cream. Um, <laughs> we also opened our very first restaurant um, as well as a, a cafe. He was Cabramatta's very first barista. We made exceptional espresso coffee. And he also had a driving school on the side. And us kids provided the child labor. So I learned to work at a very young age. So if you can imagine, growing up was work, work, work. He instilled into us a ferocious work ethic, as well as we had to get good grades as well. Otherwise, a firm beating um, was, insure, was ensured. And um, so uh, he made sure that that we all grew up with um, a very uh, firm work ethic, ferocious work ethic, to be exact. The point about my father, it was when I understood that trauma, unhealed and unresolved, gets passed down the generations, right? And so I, if I were to say, is it my father's fault? I would say at that time, it was, that was the lens through which I saw it all, but now I know better. And also when I was wanting to have a child of my own, I was determined that the cycle end with me. Right. And so I did a whole lot of work so that the cycle ended with me and it did. And from myself, um, if we were to talk about timelines and past lives, look, I've done so much of that work to heal the present so that I kill the past so that I heal the future. And um, my father has um, absolutely made amends and resolved. So I'm, I'm not very good at um, forgiveness. Forgiving is to uh, forgive some before someone has uh, righted their wrongs. Um, I do absolutely practice forgiving the event, forgiving the past, forgiving that it happened, uh, forgiving how I showed up. But I'm certainly not good at forgiving people unless they have righted their wrongs. And um, my father has definitely done that during this time. That's good to hear. Yeah. That's what life's about. Mm. It's about going down the wrong path and being like, oh, wrong way. And yeah. going the other way. And, you know, that's kind of what we're here for in a way. <laughs> yeah. And, and also, you know, the fact that, his daughter ran away from home. That's got to say something. And then his sons left. And um, it, I don't think it could be said because of him, we are all um, where we are today. I would say that in spite of him, we yeah. are. And so from that, there's a lot of pride that comes from that. And I don't think he takes ownership of any of it. If anything, he would say that I was the catalyst for them um, not repeating what I, what I did. And so the Huffington Post made this statement about you. It's quite a statement. How do you stay grounded? Well, I believe that um, I have to give you, to answer that question, I have to give you my definition of um, spirituality, um, mm -hmm. why it is the spiritual entrepreneur and not the spiritual hippie. <laughs> um, uh, we have to... Um, understand that the spirituality I teach is about how do we influence this instrument of consciousness, our physical body, our mind, our heart, our health, our spirit, how do we influence this instrument of consciousness so that we remain in spirit, so that we remain inspired. That's what my, my spirituality is all about when we're now talking about frequency and vibration and um, uh, electromagnetic signatures to attract the people into our orbit to help us to get to where we want to go faster. Um, the spirituality I teach is not about tarot cards and crystal balls and palm reading. There are plenty of people who already do that. I'm not one of those people. And so how do I stay grounded is to keep it really fucking real <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> to get spirituality out of the clouds and back into our bodies where it belongs and so we have to take really great um, uh, focus and attention on our nervous system 
what are the ways to stay grounded? The first is the breath. Mm. Uh, to access nature's medicine, to be the observer of our thoughts and our behaviors. You know, most people allow their emotions to fuel their behaviors. The spiritual entrepreneur practices the behaviors to influence their emotions. And so there's so many tools in order to stay grounded, but it's also to keep it real. And so when we continue to do the work to keep it real, to really understand um, who we are uh, and who we are is not who we are right it's who we take ourselves to be because mm-hmm. we can always redesign and reinvent and it takes no effort actually let me say this it takes less effort it is effortless it's not no effort it's effortless mm-hmm. when we are living our true self it's only when we are living a lie that's why that's when we get tired and we we we, we age more uh, or when we're living someone else's dream and so to stay absolutely grounded is to get to the truth of it to get to the truth of ourselves and then the 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 the, the niceness of being spiritual just comes right it just comes because we're not trying too hard it's effortless right yeah, you know, observing our thoughts and our emotions is probably the key to the whole thing. Because if we're not, we get caught up in them. Or, or even more so, the meta on the meta is observing our reaction to the response. Mm. How did we react to that response? Right. Um, and, and, and then from that is the response of the reaction of the response. And so it's not just watching what came up for us, is how we responded with that um, uh, expression. A lot of people don't put two and two together that response is the root word of responsibility. (laughs) Yeah, and being responsible, right? Yeah. How can you be responsible if you're constantly in reaction mode, reaction, reaction, right. reaction mode? Right. And so um, it's that uh, it's the constant practice and um, spirituality is constant. very much about constant because mastery is constant. You know, you, you and I, I definitely um, learned the ideal, the concept of mastery growing up in my parents' um, businesses. They were constantly tweaking tweaking recipes constantly you know making it better how can we get it better when they thought it was already good okay yeah. how can we make it even better than that and so that's very much um uh how, how we live our lives just that constant state of how can we be a better version of the greatest vision we hold of ourselves right, right. so you say that the experience of the refugee camp, that whole dramatic experience, you refer to it as training. Yeah. Please explain. We all have a choice. We all have a choice. Most people choose to hold on to an event that happened. So here are my choices. My choices are to use that to say, this is what happened to me. This is why I'm angry. This is why I was uh, was brought up this way. This is why I'm mean-spirited. I was brought up like that. This is what I went through. Do you not understand my trauma? Mm. This is now why I'm diseased and diseased. Or I can choose to say that was my training. And this is why I am the way I am now. And this is how I can also teach others how to overcome. And so I'm very um, conscious of when people fight to hold on to their problems. I remember um, speaking on stage and telling my story. And because I've healed, and what does it mean to heal? To heal is to have the opposite experience of. So I can tell you the things that happened in my childhood without being triggered anymore. And There's so no, whatever, no contraction. Yeah, it's healed. Yeah, there, there, is, there is no trigger. So when there is a trigger, it means we still need to heal it. And so when I can tell these stories, 
um, or it's the opposite of, I was sad, I'm no longer sad. Um, I was angry, I'm no longer angry. I felt shame, I'm no longer shameful. Um, uh, th that, that was um, my trauma. No, 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 that was my training. And so I remember telling this uh, parts of my story on stage. And as I went off stage, um, uh, uh, an older gentleman approached me and he was actually upset with me that I didn't hold on to, for want of a better word, Kevin, um, the, that I didn't want to hold on to the significance of the events that happened in my childhood. And he said to me, because uh, this is what happened to him, and he was sexually abused uh, as a young child, blah, 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 and uh, it still affects him now to this day. And I said, he said, how can you possibly let that go? How can you, because I let it go. And I said, if you'd like to do work with me, we can work. But all I can say now in this, in the framework of this scenario is that I stopped suffering many years ago. Right. And you are still suffering. Right. So he and, has and healing so, to do. Yeah, but he wanted, he was fighting to hold on to his problem. Right. So many people like to be victims. It's part of their programming, the victim-oriented thinking. Yeah, because it gives them significance, you see. And the, right. the, this, is, this is the thing. They, they aren't really conscious of it. So every time right. they think of that story or speak that, that those words, the body reacts again. And when the body reacts, it's, it's that sense of certainty again. It's the. It's like when you have a cigarette. It's. It's not so much the the um the, the nicotine. It's if I do this, if I inhale, I will be certain I will feel this way. It's like when you're heartbroken and you you play that damn love song on repeat again and again and again yeah. because you know that the same emotions, the same, and all the neuropeptides in the body go here she goes again and it just happens again and again and so they become addicted. It, it, it's a it's a literally a, a biological addiction to mm. the past to addiction to um, the emotions of that story the addiction to how significant who, who am I without um, this suffering who am I without this disease who am I without this divorce who am I without these these stories that happened to my childhood so it gives them certainty and it gives them significance yeah humans love, love to feel significant yeah, oh. and we love to feel certain. <laughs> and and if you let it, your mind will will start telling all sorts of stories, past or projected future. And and the stories get um, more and more elaborate, right? As 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 we grow older, yeah. As we have the ability as to have more of a, an imagination, uh, rather than seeing it as an event that we can overcome. And so it, it comes down to a decision to never underestimate the power of a decision, right? Yeah. The past is over, man. <laughs> Even an hour ago, it's over. It's done. Yeah. It doesn't exist. Yeah. That's hard for people. And, and some people are very addicted to nostalgia as well. They whip out the, the baby pictures and... You know, they they whip yeah. out the senior prom pictures. They go back to being seventeen years old, even though they're, you know, sixty seven. You know, and it's everything's. Oh, do you remember this? Remember that? And people have a tough time just being here now. Yes, it's a cultivation of a practice, right? And so not only can they uh, bring back the memories of the prom or of, of the birthday, they can also bring back memories of particular fears. You know, I, I have a client who is a, um, uh, a prominent um, uh, female sporting uh, person. And she was talking about, I think she's in her mid-40s now, and she was talking about how she has a fear of public speaking. And I said, where does this fear come from? And she was explaining to me when she was 12 and she spoke on stage and <laughs> Mrs. Jones, et cetera, et cetera, embarrassed her, et cetera. He said, wait a minute, how old are you now? And she said, I'm, I'm 40, 42 or 43 or something. Okay, so you've taken 
<laughs> an event that yep. happened when you were 12, yep. bringing it to the present and then projecting it in the future as if it's going to be real. <laughs> How old are you now? You know, and she kept and, she, and 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 it's a cultivation of a practice to say, okay, as as you said, Kevin, we we got to let it go. But first, it takes a decision, right? And then the permission to allow people to help us to 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 get to where we want to go faster. Yeah, I had a client back in the day, a nutrition client who. He was, he was all on board. He's like, Kevin, I'll do whatever, you know, whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. He's like, but no peas. Yeah. <laughs> what the hell? He's like, no okay. peas. He's like, I just, yeah. whatever you do, don't tell me to eat peas. Yeah. And because was, of an old story. <laughs> he said something happened at the dinner table when I was a kid and I don't want to talk about it, but I don't, I won't eat peas. Yeah. So it's, yeah, same sort of thing. And then, you know, you got people who are scared of dogs because they got bit when they were five or they're scared of bees because they got stung when they were six and they carry that their whole life. Yeah. That's their choice. That's a choice. That's their choice. They think they don't have a choice, but they do actually have a choice. There There are things that you can do to overcome that should you need to overcome it. But whenever he says, I'll do anything except for peace or... I'm afraid of dogs. It, it, there's a certainty. Yep. Got it. And there's a significance when they do say it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's not easy. That's why you can't do it yourself unless you do it yourself. And, and so, you know, in a, a, a framework is to first decide after you decide is then to, uh, I mean, you know, when you hold on to your stories, it becomes your personality, your identity, and then it becomes your personality, right? Mm. But um, a big, a big piece is um, uh, the second piece is permission. The the permission to then allow. Um, I don't like to use the word experts too much, but to allow those who know what they're doing, those who are, have walked the walk, those who are walking the talk, to allow them to allow us to allow them to assist us to heal because we're not talking about, you know, and especially after, you know, the events of the last two years of COVID, it's not about PTSD anymore. It's not about post-traumatic stress anymore. It's about post-traumatic healing and mm-hmm. post-traumatic growth. How are we going to heal and grow from here? And this is what um, transformation really is, right? And then it takes courage, man. You know, you, you, you say it's hard. It, it is hard because it takes courage to do what it takes. It takes courage to stand up to the people who say you're crazy. What are you doing? You know, it all takes courage. And then, of course, persistence. You've got to continue to do the work. <laughs> persistence and, of course, resolve. You know, we're heading into the new year now um, you know, with plenty of New Year's resolutions going around. With the, the definition of resolution is to be resolute, right? to be determined and resolute, to get it done no matter what. Mm. And so um, it, there is a process. And uh, it can be achieved faster with the right assistance, huh? Yeah. And we have so many belief systems, right? So how would you re-engineer those belief systems? First of all, I think to understand, uh, again, to actually say, are these beliefs actually mine? They're not because no one... No one said, um, hey, Pauline, you know, I, I know that my parents didn't say it. Hey, Pauline, do you mind if I dump my beliefs on you? Uh, my, my teachers never asked my permission to do that, nor did my parents. And so we just get given the beliefs that we get given. The unfortunate thing is there are so many people who will fight for those beliefs without even questioning them. Some people fight fight until the death right and so for myself to reverse engineer it is to say is it working for me does it make my heart sing when I think of this do I contract or do I expand and to get into the habit of saying not my belief is but my current belief is my current belief is can my current belief be expanded Um, is it working for me does it make my heart sing and so we have to be able to be open to the possibility. Some people aren't even open to the possibility because they are so firm in their belief. But then that also comes down to what stage of development we're at as human beings, right? Yeah, that's that's a whole other layer. Yeah. 
because somebody may not be ready at say 25, but maybe they'll be ready at 55 or somebody might not be ready in this whole lifetime, <laughs> but maybe they will. I don't think it's, yeah. Lifetimes. But it's not just about um, age, right? It's about whether or not you do the work, the developmental work, because if we all have stages of, um, of development and then, uh, and then of course, spiritual development as well. You know, I, I, I work with plenty of 25, 30, 40 year olds who are far more developed than their, um, than the humans who they surround themselves by, who are more uh, of greater age than them. It depends whether we're doing the work um, because we all need to develop. You know, my, my daughter um, is 16. Uh, she still lives in very conventional um, stage of development. You know, everyone's got to, she's got to be liked and she's gorgeous social butterfly. Um, I, I know that at her stage of development, I might as well be talking to a dog. This is, I use this as a metaphor, of course. <laughs> I might as well be talking to a dog if I were to talk to her about, you know, anything world-centric or spirit-centric. There is no way that she will comprehend unless I guide her to the next stage of development, you know, so I, I can hold her in that space until she literally grows out of it. And then I can help her again to grow out of that stage and then out of that stage to certain levels of ascension where she will be um, less caged for want of a better term. Um, it's, it's really whether or not we do the work and the work is beautiful work, but um, it's not painless either. <laughs> Because you got to walk down those long hall of mirrors again and again and again, right? In order to overcome. I'm familiar. <laughs> I'm familiar. You have to face your fears. Yeah. And the first fear is the fear of doing it in the first place. <laughs> yeah. Like you said, you have and to have so, courage. Yeah. And so um, what is courage? Courage is, we all know, feeling the fear and doing it anyway. And so fear, when we have that sense of fear in our stomach, it's like, whoa, Pauline, you're only feeling that because we haven't, you haven't done it before. You're feeling that because you haven't done it before. And so what is uh, confidence or, or what is lack of confidence? Lack of confidence is when we don't have the knowledge. What is courage? Yes, courage is feeling the fear and doing it anyway, but courage is also simply taking action, just taking action. But then we don't have the confidence to take action because we don't have the knowledge. And so that feeling we'd have in our stomach will go away when we acquire the knowledge. Get ready to learn. Once you've learned, get ready to act. And so you've overcome the sense of um, you know, lack of confidence, as well as you've overcome the, um, the, 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 the lack of courage, because now you're super knowledgeable, and you're willing, you're willing to, to act. And the more we act on that, that feeling will go away, right? That, that those butterflies in our stomach. So there's, there's stages to that, that, that we can um, practice. It's a cultivation of a practice, rather than staying in the one spot saying, I'm fearful of this, I cannot do this, you know, and, and, um, confidence or, or, or courage it's it's not it's not a destination it's a callus right you, you keep mm -hmm. on working at it you keep on working at it until that callus builds and, and then you're confident so be prepared to act and be prepared to learn absolutely now our minds are, are kind of like computers in a way if that's the case can people hack us i i believe we are constantly being hacked we are constantly being hacked by, um, man, Facebook, <laughs> Instagram, uh, the, the government, religion. We're always, we're always being hacked unless we learn to know ourselves so deeply that we cannot be hacked. Mm. Uh, when we have created for ourselves um, uh, really firm values, Values, and I'm not talking about the values you look at on a wall when you go into someone's office, someone's office, you know, uh, what, what, what are the integrity and honesty and all those, all those E's. <laughs> and, and, then, and then you turn around and ask a staff member, do you know what your values, 
companies that go, no, we have no idea what that means. You know, um, uh, when I talk about values, I'm, I'm talking about um, the, for example, um, I will only collaborate with those who are pushing forward humanity in some way. Uh, I will only collaborate with those who are at the top of their game. Um, I will only collaborate with those who are fun to be with and we can laugh and not be so serious. And so by giving those three examples, if they are my values to, um, to, to work with someone and collaborate with someone, then I cancel out all those who are talking shit. I cancel out all those who are just plain boring um, or who are, who are not at the top of their game. That's what I mean by having those sorts of values in whatever stage of your life. And so when we have those to fall back on, um, we can't be hacked. To understand yourself so deeply, to be um, relentless in the pursuit of self-truth. So we're not going to go to self-sabotage. Um, that won't work for me. Um, I have a policy that I only hang around with people who are pushing forward humanity. I'm using those as, as examples. When we have a whole list of values, not mainstream bullshit values, but values, our own values, this is the conditions to which I will do this, then we can't be hacked if we are firm on who we are and our truth. Mm. Unless you're aware that you're being hacked. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people say that you're, you're a, a accumulation of the five people you hang around with the most. Yeah. That's an old saying, right? I, I reckon it's more like 15. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because we we pick up other people's patterns and mannerisms. And... Yeah, if we do it intentionally. Right. Yeah, if there's the awareness around it, right? Mm. So how do you go through this, the, the entrepreneurial process? Because being an entrepreneur is not an easy thing. It's kind of like, spiritual work in a way it's tedious it's constant it's always bing 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 how do you do that with the spiritual practice if they just go side by side yes same thing just a tedious parallel yes i i don't know if the word tedious is how i would describe it because we have a lot of fun um, I think uh, you got to do the work, right? Um, as in, uh, I wouldn't have the most awarded Vietnamese restaurant in the world if we didn't work our asses off. Mm. I wouldn't have two award-winning books if I didn't work my ass off. We got to do the work. Um, I don't know if that works, uh, if the word tedious would be uh, just the only word to describe it all. It's the work. Um, I, I call it Goya. You got to get off your ass, <laughs> and this is what I mean by keeping it real. You know, spirituality is not sitting in lotus position, going. It's you got to do the work, but can we do the work to keep ourselves in spirit and inspired? You know, and so um, and and I guess it's needless to say um, this spirituality has got very little to do with religion right it's religion that needs spirituality spirituality right. doesn't need religion and so um the thoughts we think the words we speak the people we hang around our daily practices our new belief systems um the absolute truth of us to, to integrate it all and when we understand that it is to, we are here on earth to do three things, is to evolve. Mm -hmm. What are you doing to evolve? Are you going through the stages of spiritual development? Are you doing the work of um, uh, human development? Are you doing that work? Do you understand a little bit about um, human behavior and psychology? Why you do the things you do? Um, what are you doing to evolve? Are you hanging around people who are, um, just 
encouraging you, inspiring you to be a better human being. And when I mean, what I mean by better is, are you suffering more or are you suffering less? If you've had teachers and coaches for a very long time and you still really haven't evolved, you might want to have a look at that because a teacher, a coach who will get you results is someone who is not going to mollycoddle you, right? And so spirituality isn't about peace, love and mung beans. It's about having one foot in this 3D world and another foot possibly in more than one other dimension. And we access um, to understand that life is not just this three-dimensional world, but then also to live our lives in spirit, inspired, not take ourselves too seriously, but at the same time, getting shit done. We got to goya, get off our ass and do stuff and make it happen. But when we understand the science behind it all, to um, ground ourselves, to understand nature's medicine, to understand breath work, to understand our um, that our associations have a lot to do with our success, as, as well as our environment, those are the things we need to start designing and alchemizing so that we're not pushing shit uphill. And so that's why I say it's not tedious. It's a different way of being. We're not afraid of doing the work. I can work harder than most people I know, but I also know that when it's time to rest, rest comes first because rest is also a weapon. And so there's all these beautiful aspects of living uh, a glorious life that makes the entrepreneurship journey a whole lot more fun than it used to be. And when I say used to be is because I, I've done the um, the the entrepreneur entrepreneurial journey that made me sick and so um, when I got well again this is why I wanted to um, teach and guide so many others on a different way of being and a different reason for doing and being very differently so what are the other two reasons to be on earth one is evolve what's the other two to push humanity forward push humanity what are forward. you doing to push humanity forward what are you doing? You know, is is your product, is your um, business causing more suffering and more pain, or is it pushing humanity forward in some way? And the third thing we're here to do is to do it with joy, <laughs> to do it with joy, to evolve, to push humanity forward, and to do it with joy. Um, the the third part is um, surprisingly, but not so surprisingly, um, the aspect that a lot of people forget. Huh? to do it with joy have fun yeah <laughs> yeah so how do we have one foot in the 3d and one foot somewhere else well um i can uh give you a few practices on um what i do and how i teach uh so I believe that we all have a shaman inside of us. Um, mm. I practice shamanism. I'm, I don't call myself a healer. I don't want that responsibility. I do assist many people in their own healing. Um, I've assisted many people with dis-ease and disease, but also to show them how to take personal responsibility so they're not abdicating on another person, right? It's your body. It's your health. Can I teach you how to... Um, uh, how to heal yourself and so we can access an altered state of consciousness we can go into um, quantum we can practice that again it's a cultivation of a practice through breath work mm. through meditation through activation through sound through nature and um a whole lot of shamanic practices. Um, I often joke and then say, like, well, I know that there are a lot of shamans around who have absolute reverence and seriousness in what I do. Absolutely, that's called for. But at the same time, if you love nature, if you love sound, if you are affected by nature and affected by sound, then we all can practice uh, um, shamanic practices because what it does is it raises 
vibration, it raises frequency. Um, and to never underestimate the power of nature's medicine, um, that's a, a lot of nature's practices, or sorry, the practice of being out in nature. Um, you know, we don't go out in nature, we are nature to become one with Mother Earth and Father Son again um, will accelerate our healing a great deal. You mentioned breath work a few times. Uh, do you have a specific routine that you do, perhaps box breathing or? Uh, the box breathing is so easy for so many to um, remember, right? It, it's it's so easy. And for the listeners, I encourage you to um, do that regularly. Um, I have created a breath sequence of my own um, that I teach my students. Um, mm. I call it the samurai breath. And it's... Um, uh, that it, it is learnt in, in stages. So we're also releasing um, particular emotions that are trapped in uh, particular uh, um, energy points in our body. That is, that is the work to um, ac activate particular intrinsic muscles and then blasting it out through the breath, but then to become alkaline beforehand um, with intention as well as the shamanic work to surround that and to heal the terrain. So it's a combination of a whole lot of stuff that can be learned in steps. Um, and you would not have heard about the samurai breath unless you have done work with me. Um, mm. But there's so many different breath techniques, aren't there? The box breath is a beautiful one to learn. Yeah. And like you said, it's easy to remember. Yep. Yeah. So how important is the breath work? I mean, we're, 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 we're relaxing our nervous system. Yeah. What else? Making ourselves more alkaline as well. Um, when we are more acidic, we're more easily hijacked by our own emotions. Um, stress, anxiety, overwhelm. It, of course, relaxes our nervous system. But the breath work that I teach, the samurai breath that I that that I mentioned before, it works on another level as well. In that there's a particular part of that practice that um, creates is a chaotic breathing. It's quite chaotic, and then to for to if you practice that long enough, you are able to find peace within the chaos, and to take that as a metaphor for life. So it's not closing your eyes to find bliss. I don't believe in that. Um, why can't we experience bliss with our eyes open? When we're walking um, uh, along the ocean, when we're with our children, when we are experiencing life, why do I need to close my eyes in order to experience bliss? I want to experience bliss with my eyes open. And so in my activations, in my meditations, we activate and we meditate to manifest, to be able to uh, experience another dimension and uh, to be able to experience an alternate reality. And it's in that space that is the space of creation. And so um, my activations are, are not um, peaceful. It's a, it's a focused mind state. We are doing the work um, to find chaos, to find peace within the chaos, to regulate our nervous system, to also make ourselves more alkaline, to practice poise in times of stress. Uh, a lot of the time um, when I do coaching, my, my, my clients and students want a breath strategy. What is your breath strategy going to be before you go into that really intense business meeting? Uh, what is your breath strategy going to be before you have that conversation with your spouse or your children? There is particular breath work for particular, I guess, goals that you want. You mentioned the word mani manifest with you yeah. being an entrepreneur, a successful one for so long. The successful one is, uh, uh, we're talking overnight success, 20 years, right? <laughs> <laughs> a 20, 20 years overnight success because you got to do the work. Mm -hmm. I, I, I really have to stress that point. You know, I was on a, um, a, another um, a panel not long ago and it was to uh, startups. 
it, it was a whole room of startups. And I think this is the part that they 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 forget. And I understand, you know, this generation, there's so they have so many options. They want so many op they have so many options, which is great. We all want options, but it doesn't mean anything unless you have had persistence and grit. To, to have done the work, you know, this is how you can truly back yourself. And so, um, you know, what, what, is, what is grit? Grit is the passion and perseverance, the passion and perseverance for long-term goals. You know, it, it's not just that weak goal. It's, it's wanting and be willing because it, you know the end goal is something that's going to make your heart sing, is willing to, you know, cry, bleed, sweat for it, you know, not just for weeks or months, but often years. That's what grit is. And so um, uh, it is a, an, an overnight 20-year success. <laughs> I've, been, I've been doing this for a long time. <laughs> How long did it take for the restaurant to get to a successful status? Look, we have experienced a multitude of economic down, downturns. Um, we, we won awards very early in the game. Um, but, you know, we're still around 20 years later. We're well, still around after the COVID lockdowns and um, in what is a very fickle, challenging and competitive industry. But to the point I was saying earlier, Kevin, I was um, on this panel with startups and, and they said, you know, um, how, how do I build my database? You, you guys have a database of um, 30,000 people, which is kind of unheard of for a restaurant. How do you build it? And I said, you build it because you build it. You build it, you know, it takes, it takes a long time unless you're going to buy fake followers, but geez, how's, how does that, how's that going to work out for you? But you got to start somewhere. And um, one of the boys, and I'll call him a boy, he said, oh, it's all right for you. Um, you've, you, you have a database of 30,000. It's all right for you. You've done it. So what do you mean, mate? What do you mean? Do you think this was handed to me? Well, you have to do the work. Goya. You have to not be afraid to do the work. You got to get off your ass and do it. And so there's this disconnect, right? There's this disconnect. They think it's it's easy. And um, you know, I get to work. I get to speak on the international stage. I, I belong to Ode Management, who represent the top fifteen non-celebrity speakers in the world. And you know, life is exhilarating and it's fun now that borders are open. You know, traveling everywhere to speak was like. But I had to work really hard to get here. <laughs> it wasn't just handed to me. Do you know how hard I've worked? You've got to do the work. If you don't put in the work, you don't get the pay. Right. Do you do any manifestation techniques, law of attraction type stuff? Uh, I absolutely do. It's part of the um, breath sequence that I teach so that we are aligning our energy centers um, and through uh, to get to a particular stage in the breath work so that we are um, uh, recreating our electromagnetic signature. So if we are repelling or attracting, but there's, as I said, there are stages. Um, I, I teach it in my spiritual entrepreneur accelerator course, but the, the, the stage is also to understand how frequency and vibration works. Um, if you're living at the emotion of fear, shame, guilt, they are such low vibrations, um, low frequencies. And so the question then is, what do I need to do to feel the way I want to feel? What do I need to do to feel the way I want to feel? You asked me earlier how I stay grounded, but also how I can create my electromagnetic signature to magnetize and attract. One is breath work. Two is nature, and so um, uh, I don't. I won't say that I do this every single day without fail. There are days that I don't do it if I've got um, early stuff going on. But as much as possible, um, my morning routine is I get up really early. I get up at four four thirty, and um, it's that stage of um, um, charging my body with the elixir of the, emo the, the chemicals, the emotions that is going to raise my vibration, um, joy, sensuality, uh, gratitude. And so again, it's the practice of the first thoughts we think. You know, imagine if we wanted the things we already have. And so that's that, that getting up is feeling the sheets on my naked body. My God, they feel so, they feel so sensuous. That's already charging. 
so a new elixirs into my in, into my body and then rehearsing my behaviors we don't we, we don't you know, um, visualize what's going to happen because we don't know what's going to happen. But can you rehearse your behaviors? Um, what's going to happen in your day? What breath strategy will I use? And then I go into um, uh, prayer and meditation. And my prayer and meditation is, again, filling my body with the emotions as if the event has already happened. And so that that's that's part of the work. And then I have a, um, a, a cold shower. I, I dry brush to um, uh, activate the lymphatic system. And oftentimes I coach at sunrise. Um, why do we go out to sunrise to literally watch the sun rise? It activates our pineal gland, boosts our mitochondria. We heal from the inside out. And so this is the somatic work, right? So we also already do the semantic work, all the um, theories, theoretical stuff that we know. But this is the somatic work now, watching the sun rise, literally having it activate our, our, our pupils, healing from the inside out. It's the most healing potent healing time of the day all over the world people worship the sun right um so that we can uh it's the 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 more we allow nature to heal assist in our healing the more we can regulate our nervous system yeah. and find the solutions to be closer to the solar to be closer to the sun right mm -hmm. and then uh, and then it's the um the work that i do then i go into shamanic practices we do the breath work we set the intention and then we jump in the ocean salt water nature's greatest faraday cage we ground ourselves to the earth we hug a tree we walk we walk in uh, on the sand we walk barefoot on the grass you know the formula 15 minutes in nature every day reduces um, cancer depression anxiety uh, a whole lot of other diseases by 50 percent as well as increasing um, connection imagination collaboration creation and so you're going to want to do as many things out in nature as possible you know building getting the beautiful sun on your skin to build up your solar callus so that you're not sick in the winter and so i do all these things why so that i'm raising my vibration I'm raising my frequency. If my body is the instrument of consciousness, this is a fundamental part of manifesting. And what does it mean to manifest? It doesn't mean to close your eyes and go, I wish I had this. I wish I had that. You, you, you can do that, but charging your body, what do I need to do to feel the way I want to feel? Because if you want that, but your body is still experiencing fear, guilt, shame, overwhelm, all that stuff, you are going to be farther away to um, the connection with the things that you want. And so you're going to want to, if this is all we have, is if this is uh, whether we magnetize or repel, you're going to want to work on this to be closer to the frequency of that which you want. And so at a most fundamental level, you got to do the work on this first. And then, of course, it's Goya, get off your ass and do it so that you can get closer to what you want. Oh, I really, really want to be with that with that man. OK, he's not going to knock on your door unless you already um have charged yourself with the elixirs of those emotions how would it feel if you had him now what do you need to do do you need to get off your ass to get healthier to get fitter to hang around more um, inspiring people to be more inspiring inspired and then what is the first law of the law of attraction get freaking attractive <laughs> become attractive and become attractive i don't mean looks just looks right yep that helps but also how are you evolving yourself what what new um stories are you telling or are you still fighting to hold on to your problems um what how how can you push forward humanity and so we become attractive through the words we speak we become our environment our environment becomes us we become our our associations, our associations become us. And so what does this all do? This allows us to magnetize and attract other people into our orbit to help us to get to where we want to go faster. Bam, manifestation. <laughs> there it is. Right. And then the, the whole, everything sinks, right? And then certain people come in, certain doors open. It's just, 
Exactly. And so it's not about, you know, um, uh, wishing you have something. Manifestation is who you become. Is who you become. Yeah. So before I hit you with my last question, where can someone come say hello to you? Where can they come find you? Oh, um, please come find me through my website. <laughs> uh, there's a whole lot of stuff um, that um, is coming up um, uh, with everything that I've mentioned today. It's taught in the accelerated course, which starts Jan 2022. Um, you can contact me through my website, which is the contact us uh, area or contact me area. Um, email pauline at paulinewin.com.au. If you want to check out my socials, uh, LinkedIn. Okay. So in your journey, what are the three most influential books you've ever read? Oh, this is a really hard question. Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, geez. I've read so many books. They're epic, right? All, All the books by Robert Greene. You know, he there's so much that he can teach. Um, the the forty eight laws of power, um, the laws of human nature. He's got the uh, the new one, um, uh, the law of seduction. Uh, I really enjoyed that. Um, I'm, those those are going to be my three current influential books. Okay. Geez, that's a hard question. <laughs> that's why it's last. All right. Well, this has been a pleasure. The pleasure has been mine. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening to Inner Peace with Dr. Reese. If this episode opened your heart, feel free to share on social media and tell your loved ones. Also, be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Until next time. May peace be with you.